are listening to The Embodiment Project, a podcast exploring the multiple dimensions of people of color and all of the ways we embody our gifts in the world. How do you embody your highest self? This week on The Embodiment Project. It's about consent. It's about sovereignty. It's about decolonizing my relationship with a person over whom I have a lot of power and and allowing their needs and feelings, even though I don't have to, to be central because I do have to if I'm not looking at them as like this potential brilliant whatever the hell, but more so as like the human they are now and wanting them to think of me in the same way because we are in an actual relationship and they're not going to be free forever. Welcome back to The Embodiment Project. I'm Danielia Arechiga, and thank you for being here and listening today. Our guest today is Akila S. Richards. Akila is passionate about mindful partnerships and conscious parenting. She uses audio and written mediums to amplify the ways that unschooling in particular is serving as healing grounds and liberation work for Black non-Black, Indigenous, and people of color communities earthwide. Her celebrated unschooling podcast, Fair of the Free Child, and the numerous workshops and gatherings she has been part of have garnered the attention of Forbes magazine, The New York Times, Good Morning America, and most importantly, BIPOC families interested or living in more healthy, consent-based intergenerational relationships. Her recent experiences with the intersection of privilege, parenting, and power are detailed in her latest book, Raising Free People, Unschooling as Liberation and Healing Work by PM Press. I cannot wait for you all to hear this episode. This is the final episode of our first season, and I cannot think of a better way to close it out than with this spectacular guest, Akila S. Richards. Enjoy. First and foremost, I'm reading your book, which I'm loving. Thank you. (laughs) And what I'm loving is really seeing this image of you before the you that we've all been allowed to see these days, right? Doing your thing, talking about unschooling, talking about um, all the things that you can talk about. But you're showing us a glimpse at a part of your life before you knew what you know, right? And that image of you, I think resonates with so many of us who are just coming into this work, who are getting into this liberation work with ourselves and with our children. Yeah. And really what I see you doing is you're doing your own form of generational healing, right? Through this unschooling concept. Yeah. So what would you tell someone who is brand new, who is like, I know there's something, there's something I want to do different, but I don't know what it is. What would you tell them when you think about your past self when you were first starting this journey? Yeah, first, I wouldn't try to cheat them out of their experience with my so-called experience or expertise. You know, like I don't um, believe in that. I don't think that's useful. So I would just be happy with them and nervous with them and be like, yeah, that's what's up. That's good. Because it means that you're, you know, recognizing that 
not only can something be different, maybe it needs to be different. Like you're going from this thing on the sidelines to something that is just like really with you. And that's great. That's what I would say, because the, the knowing that you are going through a thing, this is a thing, something is happening to you that have, has happened to mad people before you and will continue to happen. And the knowing of that is its own medicine. It's its own permission. It's its own enoughness because you're going to need to be comfortable being like, eh, yeah, I don't know. Cause that's like three quarters of unschooling. <laughs> yep, yeah. I feel that is just like, just sitting with that discomfort. Right. That's like, yeah, someone... sitting with it, walking with it, standing up with it, dancing, like all the yeah. things, like letting it work you. Um, and you know, if you're a research oriented person, let it influence what you research in. If you like to read a lot, let it influence what you read in. If you listen to pod, you know, just like, let it, let it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I, I've definitely been feeling that. So I have a nine-year-old daughter and even that, 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 that sentence, right? Like I have a nine-year-old daughter. Like I always think about something I read that you wrote about how they don't belong to us. Right you know, and really releasing that possession of that they are ours to have. Yeah. And it makes me think about like what a miracle it is that any of us are here. Right. (laughs) And and they choose us as much as we choose them, you know? Yes, totally. I believe that as well. And the, the wording matters because we're in practice, you know, that's what I, that's what Raising Free People book is all about. It's about the practice of this idea of what it, what it means, like the cost of a free child. That's why the podcast is called F-A-R-E, you know, like what does it cost them? What does it cost me? What does it cost us in community? What does it cost my mom to be in a relationship with a, a, you know, a granddaughter who's like, grandma, don't speak to me like that. You know, when we come from a family where it's like, what? If your mother's in the house, like you better just like shut up and act right and don't, you know, make her uncomfortable in any way, shape or form. Like it's a lot of the things that are happening are a practice. So you you have to, not you have to, I, it's useful to let yourself feel all of the parts of that and and including how you name things by not saying, I have a daughter or my daughter, such and such. I try to start my sentences with their names. Marley, who's 16, is also my daughter. It's one element of what she is. It's not the underpinning thing that you should know about her. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And I I believe that with my whole heart that words do matter because they are how we, how we move about the world, you know, especially right now when we're, when we're in this pandemic, we can't really be together. So we're writing a lot. We're sharing a lot. The mm-hmm. words we are speaking with are, you know, ever changing. And yeah, that's something that I really appreciate your work too, is that you're really great about defining things for folks. And even these terms that you've created, you know, like the term crisis schooling, I've been, I've been seeing it more and more, you know, because you've really put a name to what this is. Yeah. And, and that's something I heard somewhere else. I don't even know where, but it, but it, or maybe I heard the word separate. I'm not even sure, <laughs> but um, I wanted to say that I think I heard it or somebody said the real crisis. I, I'm not even sure, but I know schoolishness is one that I, I'd never heard anywhere. It's just something that I put together. And I wanted to also address when you talked about the importance of words, especially now, I, that's so powerful because it, it also is a way that 
I see it as one of the ways that we decolonize our relationships because it's not about having the right words. It's not about being articulate. It's not about being able to say it perfectly. And even though I'm a writer and I love getting my shit right with words because that's how I communicate in my own brain first. It's, it's not about the right words. It's about the willingness to share the words, like to share the, the emotion, the feeling, to take it out of your body and brain and let it come out of your mouth to somebody else. That's the element of it that's powerful because prior to this, a lot of it was that filtered schoolish, you know, when I, when I see them, I'm gonna make sure that I have it together and, you know, or put this presentation together. Whereas now it's like, I just woke up, I'm, you know, I'm on my Zoom, my fourth Zoom shit today or whatever. And this is how I'm actually feeling about my actual ass life. That part is what stuck out when you said, especially now with the words. So yeah, thank you for um, naming that. That feels so important. Yeah, I think it, it's what feels right for us at the moment. At yes. any given moment, right? Because yes. it changes, it changes so many times. And that's part of unschooling too, or de-schooling is like, knowing that it's a ride it's a roller coaster every <laughs> day you know like yeah and when is it not like don't front like the other thing whatever the other thing is that you're not choosing when you make this choice don't front like that's not a ride too you know like they're all rides it's a matter of the relationship around that thing um and that's what that's why unschooling is the particular portal for me for raising free people i don't think it's the only one I absolutely don't think that. But I know that for me and for a lot of people with whom I'm in community, it's interchangeable. I couldn't, it's about consent. It's about sovereignty. It's about decolonizing my relationship with a person over whom I have a lot of power and, and allowing their needs and feelings, even though I don't have to, to be central because I do have to, if I'm not looking at them as like this potential brilliant, whatever the hell, but more so as like the human they are now and wanting them to think of me in the same way because we are in an actual relationship and they're not gonna be three forever. <laughs> you know, my girls are 16 and 14, actually Sage just turned 15 on the eighth. Right? <laughs> yeah, and then, and then Marley will be 17 in March, on March 1st. And now I can say my girls, because we've had that conversation and I say that, you know, they know what I mean and I have their consent to say that, but I needed to learn that, not because the words, but because how it made them feel and because what it made me do without noticing that I was doing when I looked at it from a space of like, yeah, but you're mine, you're my mini me and da -da -da, and all these well-meaning things. Nah, bruh, it also brings some other stuff that's not cool. <laughs> yeah I hear that and yeah you, your girls are getting older and um, I see a lot of my little one in them just the way you mm. talk about them the <laughs> way they sound from what I've heard you know I've heard Marley's yeah, episode it. and I'm so inspired by by her um, my daughter too I mean every time she hears me listening to your podcast she knows and she <laughs> gives me the space to listen and interrupt <laughs> as much as possible because she knows that mommy's mommy's doing better every time I'm listening. Oh, uh, that's what's uh, that makes me feel so. And both my girls, they say that too, that they're like, as much as we're like, because ah, they know everything that happens. I'm like, oh my God, how much of this can I share in the podcast? This is so exciting. You know, like they're so sick of that. But at the same time, they know that there's 
change that happens because my job is to make us adults busy doing other shit that allows us to recognize the ways that our children are actually whole already and what learning looks like from them. Like, that's my job. So they know that, you know, when that's happening, I'm doing my job. And I feel like other young people, they do feel that because the same thing that you said, I've heard that from lots of other people. It's like, yeah, he or she or they, whoever, they let me because they're like, okay, you're listening to this. And I know that you're going to ask me this. I'm like, yes. (laughs) Or I think sometimes she just knows that I'm, I'm nicer. I'm, I'm I'm asking more questions, right? With asking, like I'm asking more questions rather than dictating what she does on a daily basis. So she's like, if that's what it takes for you to change your ways, listen to it all you want. (laughs) Right. You do that. Yes. Cause they be knowing, you know, and, and they, that's the thing that I um, wanted to convey in the book as well. And, and really try to talk about often is that this is not a, a path that we, as the adults, that's another like, you know, adultist mindset that we as the adults have to figure out how to do it. And then, and then our children will be in a better position because we will have figured it out. It doesn't work like that. We're in relationship with them and they will offer sometimes grace and space when they see us doing things. And then, and then that same thing makes it easier sometimes for them to see when they're doing a thing that's not okay for us. Mm -hmm. All of those things that we don't have to figure out, we just let happen we let it happen and then from letting it happen we develop what the structure means and what to do and what a day looks like all the questions we tend to ask up front that they do not have upfront answers they are developmental they happen they emerge we observe them you know yeah yeah Yeah. so one of the things that i've been doing a lot in my work is talking about um self-compassion Mm. And I'm, I'm curious to know, how do you experience self-compassion in this work when maybe when you, you do the thing you've been trying to stop doing and you do it anyway, you know, like yeah. how do we avoid beating ourselves up over when we don't get it right? Right. Yeah. Um, I don't know about we, I can speak. I know the things that I practice or the things that I notice is that it's, it is less about like making sure for me that I don't beat myself up and more so becoming a better observer. And I don't know, that might sound like cheesy. I don't know. But a lot of it is just paying attention to how the thing is making me feel. And I get that from Sage because she talked about, and we did share that in an episode, about one time we were driving back from this long ass road trip and we were talking about the way that both of them, they get mad at each other, like legit mad for real, for real. And then in a very short time or what I call a very short time, they're just like back and they're back for real. It's not a fake ass back. And I'm like, yo, how do you do that? Because when some, especially if I care about you and you you care about me and then you upset me, like I'll be like heated and I can't even, especially with my girls. And Sage was like, yeah, but when something happens with Marley, I, I know that I'm like observing an experience that she's having. Like I'm witnessing a moment that she's having. That's not her. That's something that she is experiencing. And so am I like she, <laughs> I was like, yo, I understand what you're saying. You're, you're, it, you're not dismissing how that thing makes you feel or the, the person or the accountability, but you're also acknowledging that it's a snapshot in a moment and that 
they are having an experience that you are witnessing. And sometimes that experience impacts you, but you don't have to keep the, and I was like, oh, so that's what I use. I, I really try to, you know, be observant of what's happening and be like, yo, yeah, I really did like snap, you know, in that moment or whatever the thing is. And, or I just walked off or I didn't listen and I, whatever the thing was. And that's interesting. <laughs> you know, like I, I just observe it and I can observe what happens next. If I make a decision to apologize or if I give myself the space I need, I just try not to narrate or smurf the whole situation. You should be doing this. You need to be doing that. I can hear that voice now as problematic. And, and instead I can observe it and say, okay, I wonder in about 15 minutes when my heart stops racing, how will I be able to view this differently? You know, and what might that mean for what I'm going to do with how I feel now? And how do I want to feel? Those sort of things. More questions. <laughs> More questions. I love it. All the questions. And that's so important that, like you said, just kind of observing that it happened, yeah. that it's there. Maybe that the thoughts or feelings are there. And then starting, you know, taking a step in the next direction. Like, what are you going to do about it? Where are you going to yeah. go? Yeah. And not linger too long. Exactly. Or, or, or linger if I want to, that's the thing. Like it's not because there, there is no too long. I'm, I'm observing. That's what it is for me. It's a release from the whole destination peddling of like this, is where I need to be. It's not about a destination or a result. It's trusting. It's the process. It's the feeling that's why, but how do I want to feel has always been such an important question in my own personal leadership practice, but how do you want to feel with but in there? But how do I want to feel? Yeah, but then when she said that shit, I was like, who's she talking to? She blah, blah, blah. Yeah, but how do you want to feel? But how do you want to feel in relationship to her? But how do you want to feel about conflict? But what do you want to convey about this? All of those things are not dismissing my feeling and they're not rushing me through the experience at all. They're they're me observing out loud and questioning as I move through it. I, I love the way you, your mindset. I like, I love how you're able to see it from that perspective. Cause I'm still working through it. You know, yeah, I'm still working <laughs> through the, the ability to, to just be on it, to just be on the journey, to just be in it and not overthink it too much. Not right. for me. It's like, I'll go write in my notebook and I'm like, Oh, I have to do this, this and this, but it's not that easy. There's no, no. There's no guidebook. There's, you just have uh, to live it. But this is your process because the fact that you're you're like, yeah, so then I'm I'm in it and I journal about it and then, you know, I write it down. That is the process because what happens is over time, you, you're not gonna, especially with the reality that you're going through a thing, you are de-schooling, you are decolonizing your relationship. This is hard. It's hard for everyone. When you have that knowledge you're not going to approach the thing the same way every time moving forward. You're just not. That's like a, I was going to say human, but it also happens with animals. You know, like you're going to, you're training a different way. You're practicing a different way. You're patterning a different way. So what will take you in 2012, fucking four days to move past or weeks or months or years will not take you that same amount of time in 2013 because you've been in a different practice and that practice brings you things. It brings you knowledge about, oh, the reason that she does this, it seems that when I do this, she does that. So 
and I'm not willing to not do that. So what is the thing that I'm willing to do? You will have time to practice that. She will see in the case of you and your daughter, she will see what you're practicing. And then what she does as a result of that will inform how you move forward, what you're talking about. There's, there's no there, there's no there, all of it is it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's also making me think about boundaries, right? Because in order to be in that relationship, we have to not just have boundaries, but be very clear about them. That's something that we're definitely experiencing right now with being home so much together and, you know, having to set boundaries around limits on, you know, the iPad because to the point where she's like getting headaches and stuff like that, you know, cause I'm, I'm pretty hands off. I'm pretty like, you know, what do you feel like doing? Let's do what you want to do. But I'm also trying to teach her how to take care of her body, right? And listen to her body's signals that it's sending her. And what does that feel like? So how would you navigate that type of thing? Because, you know, the unschooling, as we know, as as I know from listening to your work, it's not just the actual school, right? It's it's life, how we learn in general about all the things. Yeah. Well, one, I definitely am not an advice person. So I don't want to frame this in that way. I really try not to do that. I also find that can be really um, inappropriate for the children that I don't know, because I'm just talking to their parents. And that's one perspective. But I know that for me, one of the the shifts and, and season one of Fear of the Free Child, we talk a lot about that. You know, Sage was at a point where she was just not sleeping um, you know, staying up really late and then also not eating and all these things. And I was kind of where you were and like, really want, as long as you get your eight hours, then, you know, blah, blah. But the, the thing is that I can't teach her about her body. I can teach her about the body. I can take care of my body so that she's in an environment where she sees what that looks like and sees that, you know, what that process is like. I can maybe bring their attention to things that I think are not safe, like you're getting a headache and I'm assuming it's because you're on the iPad all this time. Maybe that's it. And to allow for that knowledge to inform their decisions, not to make the decision for them. So for example, I can speak to this one and hopefully it doesn't sound advicey, but I I have experience with it, is that I thought that because Sage was uh, just like on the computer too much and not eating, um, you know, too focused on the stuff online that she wasn't eating and that I was going to need to like be more vigilant about making sure that she ate because she wasn't even paid. And it turns out a friend of mine who was on the podcast, another unschooling mom, Moji, who also studies Ayurveda was talking to me about doshas, you know, like different body compositions and how certain doshas will intuitively fast because that's what their bodies need for whatever is happening, especially when they're in uh, the pubescent stage, right? And that's what Sage was doing. She was doing what her body, and I, I don't have the same composition as she does, so my body makeup is different. And also she wasn't getting sleep. And so she recognized how that was affecting her body over time and began to talk to me about some of the things that she was noticing and doing about that, which then helped me recognize some about some shit that I was having with sleep issues that I didn't even recognize before from just, just talking to her about it, not advice from her, but just being in conversation. So that's, that's why that's an example of how something we can be so sure that we need to address we can be wrong 
about that because we're coming from the perspective of I know sleep and body and this and that to be this. So it must be how it is. And since I'm her mother, that's my job. Whereas if we're looking at it more from a partnership space, we're saying, I don't want that for you. And I feel like I feel like maybe you don't have enough information to make an informed decision, but what I'm not going to do is take the colonizer route and make the decision for you. I'm, what I'm going to do is offer you education with your consent, meaning, so here's what I see, and I want to talk about that. Is that okay? And to do that as many times as you need to, and to say, it makes me feel like I need to restrict this thing that you do because I don't know how to be comfortable or feel like I'm keeping you safe with doing this. What can we try? Because here's where I am to just be with that. Cause you're going to learn some stuff too. Cause you don't know all the factors and that's, what's real. Yeah. 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 And it, it, what you're, what you're describing is a conversation like one that I had with my daughter where she actually, she told me that it's, it's part, part of, the headaches is also, like you said, not eating because she's been doing that too. Yeah. But she tells me part of the reason she doesn't want to eat is because she doesn't like the food we're having. So we start talking about what, well, what okay. is good to you? What do you like? And then we, and then I learn more about her and, and then I start expanding my, my <laughs> you know, recipes and stuff. So yeah. it, it all works, but it's those questions. It, it yes. really just come down to asking more questions. Yeah. And it can't not work because if you're, if you're together in that sort of relationship where you're you're trying to make it equitable where you can and consent based you know like really trying to invite more of that in imperfectly not knowing when and where to do it allowing for the evolution like bedtime was something we kept for a long time before we felt we were like oh that's absurd but it took us a while to get to that's absurd before that we we're like no that's absurd to not have a bedtime what are you crazy no <laughs> da, 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 da. you know so but it took us time to recognize oh, if I really want her to have autonomy over her body, then I can't regulate elements be like, okay, these parts I'm gonna regulate, but the rest of it is yours. Again, that's a colonizer thing because it's the illusion of consent and power. And I, I mean, particularly raising black women, I cannot afford to do that, like to play them like that, to give that whole like false sense of power thing. I don't yeah. want them to be acclimated to, to that at all. I want that to piss them off when people do that. Yeah. <laughs> and it <Yeah>. does. <laughs> Absolutely. She tells me all the time, like, you went back on what you said, or you went back on your word. And I'm like, you know what? You're right. Yeah. And we need to know like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you don't have to talk to me like you crazy when you say it either. Because, and a part of why they do that is oftentimes because they know we're going to be like, what do you know about that? You know? <laughs> but if you say it like, you know what I did? Ah, shit, that feels really shitty and I don't have an excuse but here's what you know you get in conversation then you're just humans together and it and she's not gonna talk to you like all the things we think then we think about like the white pervasive whiteness type of unschooling it's not that it's 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 freedom that also comes with responsibility and consent and understanding and respect and love and you know and communication that's trust-based and not like um crime, you know, like punishment and reward based <laughs> criminal justice is what I was going to say. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that sounds like, yeah. I love it. Well, I, I know um, your time is very valuable. So I just have one more question before we sure. done. And it is, this is a question that I ask everyone who's on the podcast and it's how do you embody your highest self? Mm. I think that knowing that I am 
multiple selves. Like there are many things that comprise me is a big part of how I embody that because in, in that there's so much allowing of what it is that I feel and what I need in a moment. Lately, it's been really connecting more to my body and my experiences with pain as a person who has certain chronic things, really allowing those things to inform how I show up. You know, as you and I talked at the beginning about me not fronting, like I'm like, hey, it's you know, like trying to be hype when really how I feel is like Eeyore, you know, and, and that's okay. So that's an example of um, how I do that, allowing myself to be all of me, being excited about our call because I saw a video with you and um, I don't remember your daughter's name, but the ukulele, right? Like you were playing and you were both singing. And so my Sage is also learning ukulele and she got one for her grandma so they could learn together. Like those are ways. So making room for this interview with all of those things in mind is an example of how I do it too, because it feels like me and you are talking, but there's a whole bunch of other things connecting and happening. And, and that feels like an embodiment of all of who, who and what I am. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like um, me sending my mom, your mom's episodes with her plans. Oh, <laughs> I was like, mom, you got to listen to this. She's new to podcasts. So she, I was like, because she has so many great tips and she loved oh, it. So. That's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a family affair. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's why I knew I had to be here. And we had all these tech issues, y'all. And we were like, you know what? We're going to figure this out. Yes, yes. And I'm so great. I'm so grateful that we did. Thank me you too. so much for your You're time. You're very welcome. And thank you for the invitation. This was great. Find me on Instagram to let me know how this episode is resonating with you. You can find us at theembodimentproject.podcast on Instagram. And you can follow me personally at the multidimensional mommy. Mommy is spelled M-A-M-I. <laughs>